we need the anointing of God. The anointing is that divine enablement of the Holy Ghost or the power of God to operate and function in our life. And some of us men need the anointing of God on our life to really be our father. We need the anointing of God in our life. Some of us business people, we need an anointing. You can go through the motion, and I don't want to go through the motion. You should want to be anointed. You're listening to the Anointed Leadership Podcast with Terry Lynn Scott. Subscribe today to start cultivating more leadership anointing in your life. Now here's your host, Terry Lynn Scott. Hey everybody, welcome to the Anointed Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Terry Lynn Scott. I am so grateful that you're joining me today. Uh, I pray that this content that we've created uh, actually blesses you today, adds value to your life, and helps you in your leadership no matter where you're at, if you're just starting out, if you're a seasoned leader, uh, if you're a follower today looking for leadership, I hope and pray that the content we create today will definitely bless your life and help you. Before we get into it, we're talking about beating that sin of familiarity, we call it in the church world, or beating familiarity in our teams, in our leadership, in our uh, businesses, in our organizations. Uh, that's what we're talking about today. But before we get into it, if you'll do me a great favor, leave me a review or a comment about this episode and how it has added value to you. Also, subscribe on any platform that you're watching this on or you're listening to it on, as well as do the best thing for me is share this with your friends and family, other leaders, co-workers, people that you believe this content would add value to their life so that we can help people grow in their leadership potential, utilizing the anointing of God on our lives with the information that we learn and extract from other leaders, as well as the key component, the Bible itself. Amen. Hey, today I'm excited. I'm dealing with the topic called beating familiarity in our teams. Uh, this is something that I believe happens in any facet of life, whether it's business, whether it's church, families, marriages, uh, neighborhoods. Familiarity is one of those key components that really comes in and, and tries to drive a wedge uh, and separate people so that we don't receive from that person that's over us. I really believe that in life, we always have somebody that's an authority in our life. We will always be, have somebody over us. We don't, we'll never find in our life somebody that is just the top, that nobody's over them. Nobody has a rule over them. We always will have rule over our lives. When it comes to leadership, becoming the leader doesn't mean that I am the top and I'm the big dog and nobody can tell me what to do. That's not what leadership looks like. But familiarity inside of teams, let's just talk about this, it creates wedges, it, it brings division because we get too used to with, with people. And we don't allow people to fulfill their potential, their purpose, because of something that we've allowed into our own heart. I want to share with you, there's a verse in Mark chapter 6. I think if you're familiar with the scriptures today, if you are a believer today, I know you've heard this story before. In Mark chapter 6, he is in his own hometown. And there are people that are hurting. There's people that are sick. That, uh, and he's got a word of God and he is the power of God. And the people begin to say, wait a minute, isn't this Mary's son? Isn't this the son of the carpenter? Aren't his brothers and his sisters? And, and isn't he just this person, how can he be somebody that helps us? And the Bible records in Mark chapter 6 that Jesus could not do many miracles. Now that's an interesting thought process when you talk about the Son of God, the great physician. Uh, he was the miracle worker uh, all across 
the land in that time. He was healing people. Uh, people were being delivered of demons. And he, in his own hometown, he couldn't do many. Why? Because of their unbelief, the Bible records. What we find is it's not that they didn't believe as much as they were too familiar with the person that was doing the work. So we find that word unbelief, and what we think about it is that they were just had no faith. But the reality is they were hearing of the miracles. They were also seeing in their own hometown miracles that were taking place. So it's not the fact that they didn't believe things were actually happen. They didn't believe that he could be the one that was doing it because they, they took him from being the man of God all the way down to just the carpenter or just the brother of or just the son of. And so what happens is familiarity sets in and it limits our ability to, to work with, walk with, or operate in that which God's called us to do. And it's not familiarity with God, it's familiarity with the person that God has put in our life to help us. And, and it's, a, it's a huge issue when it comes to churches. It's a huge issue when it comes to marriages. I find that in, in husbands and wives as we get too familiar with each other. Uh, our children are too familiar with, our, with us as parents and they get to do things that they, don't, they shouldn't be doing. They figure out how to lie and how to act as if things are going well or, or they actually did things and it's too familiar. They know our routines, they know our habits, they know when we're awake. And so even in our teams, if we're a leader today and the team members that are under us and they get familiar with us, the time that we come in, when is it a good time to talk to us? When is it a bad time to talk to us, right? That's familiarity, knowing that the attitude will help determine the outcome that I want. It's familiarity that sets in in teams. The problem is with this familiarity is the people that used to be our heroes actually have been reduced down to the zero in our mind. They're no longer that person that's worthy of my respect, that person that's worthy of my honor, that person that's worthy to uh, help me and has some words of wisdom for me. This is what familiarity does. It creates major problems in our lives. The definition of familiarity, this is what I really find so profound when you study this out. It's inappropriate and often offensive informality. So what we've done is taking something that should be formal and just basically made an offense by reducing that level all the way down to something that's simply informal. It would almost be like if the president of the United States walked into a room, everybody would be expected to stand and honor the position that the person is holding. And so many of us would have this offensive informality and say, oh, he's just not my president. There's a sin of familiarity. It's, it's reducing the, the, the office that a person holds because you don't like, you disrespect. It's informal now. And so we have this issue that goes on in teams. And so it's this inappropriate informality. It's reducing a person's uh, position uh, or place in my life down to where it no longer they no longer can help or affect my life. What we find is Jesus could do not many miracles. He couldn't do much. Uh, familiarity, this is what it does. It limits the power of God in our life. It also reduced the viewpoint of the leader in the eyes of the individuals. So here's what I'm talking about. We're not man worshipers. 
We worship the Lord. We're talking about the Anointed Leadership Podcast, if I could help you. And if you're not a believer today, these principles will work for your life because these are principles of leadership. But as believers, we understand this. We're not worshiping man. We worship God. But we know that throughout Scripture, God never did nothing without using a man in our life. We're always under authority. And so what we realize is familiarity changes the viewpoint of the person over me in my mind. It doesn't change that person. It's how I view them. We've heard it said familiarity breeds contempt. You know, that feeling that someone is just not worthy of my respect or honor. That's what familiarity does. And, and it creates this wedge. It brings division inside of our t- teams. Let me give you a practical way of doing it. You, you, you got into a new neighborhood. You moved into a new school. And you were the new kid on the block, right? And this is what happens. You get in. You're trying to find some friends. And so you don't say anything that will disrupt that relationship. You want everybody to like you. You, you, don't, you don't make fun of, you don't laugh at the jokes when you see the, that somebody else is being made fun of. You try to uh, walk on eggshells, if you will. Then all of a sudden, after a few months of being in relationship with the people, you become um, comfortable. We'll use the word comfortable, but really we become familiar with and we know that they're not going to dislike us or disown us. So we set into the way everybody else does it to eventually where we would never talk bad about. We would never uh, disrespect or dishonor those individuals because we're trying to gain trust and we're trying to gain a relationship with them. But eventually we're no longer the new kid on the block. We have just come to ourselves to the way everybody else treats each other. And what happens? We know we're not we're not just under our breath thinking things. We're actually in gossip and we're actually degrading and we're actually backbiting. We're actually complaining about and we're actually talking about and to eventually that relationship that I did desire actually has become ruined because of what I call familiarity. It's simple relationships. But in our teams, these are the things that really drive people apart rather than together. I think about sports teams. And here's the thing. The sports teams that have great chemistry have, have people on the team that are interested in that relationship, and they've learned how to separate uh, the team from the personal. And it's a really tough thing because not every team has a great level of unity, but they portray a great level of unity on the field, if you will, or on the court. But in the, in the locker room, there might be some tension. Uh, at home, there might be some tension. Uh, in social media, there might be tension. But on the field, they've learned how to, to come together for the purpose, and they've allowed their personal I- ideologies, their personal philosophies, their personal uh, desires, their wants, and they put them on the side to be able to come together for the purpose of winning a, a trophy or winning a championship or, or defeating the opponent. Familiarity is that thing that allow the lack of familiarity in my life is the thing that allows me to separate the different areas of my life. And as, as team members, as team leaders, we've got to learn how to separate the purpose of God, the purpose of our team with our personal agendas and our personal problems and all of these other things. You might have a personal problem with your leader, but that doesn't mean that problem should come in and interfere with the purpose of your, of your job or the purpose of the church or the purpose of the vision. You and I have to allow this familiarity to get out of our life and come together in a great unity with great chemistry to accomplish the purpose, right? We're not all going to agree. Can I say this? Leaders don't want yes men. Now, 
tyrannical leaders want yes men. They want people around them that just keep puffing them up and, and, and promoting them and, and tooting their horn and whatever they say is, is you know, the epitome and it is the greatest thing that since sliced bread type mindset. But that's not what real leadership's about. Leadership is about having people from differences and uh, uh, variances of, of opinions and ideologies and things like that and not afraid to come in and say, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with that because I see these other things over here. And, and good leaders want people like that around them. And we don't want people that are just yes people. Because what happens is when we're just yes people, then I don't feel if I'm not the leader and I'm the follower, I don't feel like my potential is being used. Let me help the leader today. If I'm not allowing the people under me to utilize their potential, familiarity will set in and it'll make, they'll think that I think, listen, what I'm saying, it's not what I'm doing, but they'll begin to think that I think that I'm the only one that has the answer and it creates this dishonor. It creates contempt on the inside of our teams and it creates all these problems. To eliminate some of the familiarity, the leader must do something. The leader must create an atmosphere of inviting, of welcoming, of being on the same team, everybody pulling their weight, and not just being the guy or the man in, our, in, in this issue. So let's talk about some things before we jump in. How do we beat familiarity? Here's what I, what I really find is there's a few things that uh, uh, familiarity causes. Number one, it causes dis- disrespect. It goes from, I think about Moses in the, in the gospel where he was the, the hero when he delivered the children of Israel, and then he became the zero right away because it was like, what did you do? You brought us here, and they don't see what Moses saw. They don't understand what God was talking to Moses because he's not portraying that to the people. So there comes this great level of disrespect, and it was the hero, but now he's the zero, and we find that. The second thing that I think familiarity does, it breeds laziness. I'm going to let that sink in for just a moment. But it breeds laziness. People people just get lazy. They don't want to do anything. They just show up for, for the job. They show up for the money. They show up to church just to fulfill a, an obligation to God, but not really involved into the ministry. Uh, these types of things. And, and familiarity will just cause people to get real lazy and lethargic and, and, and because they don't see the purpose they see the problem with the person that they have on the inside of them. We also find that it leads to complacency. We're just content. We're, we're happy where we're at. We don't need to go any further. Uh, I don't believe that the vision's any greater, uh, that we're never going to accomplish that. This is what familiarity does. It's, we limit what God wants to do in our lives because we become complacent in our teams. It also creates a major division. Jesus said a house divided will not stand. And, and so here's the thing. A divided house is where we don't all see eye to eye. Well, you're not going to see eye to eye with your leader when there's familiarity there because you don't even trust your leader. You don't have that, that respect or that honor for your leader, that they're leading you in the direction because you have now got familiarity. You see all of their weaknesses and all of their faults rather than what God has put on the inside of them. And the last thing that I believe that familiarity, there's many, but just for the sake of time, it creates a lid for my life. I, I put a lid on where I can go. It, it creates uh, a lid on my progress. It creates a lid on my uh, success in my life. That means that lid, that's as far as I can go. It's a ceiling. 
where God says that we can, he can do greater things. He can do more than I can ask, think, or imagine in my life. That means God's got the potential to do more, but familiarity prevents the power of God from creating success in my life and in my leadership. So our teams are limited. Our businesses are limited. Our churches are limited because of this familiarity that gets in. We just think, we say things like, well, they are just, oh, that's just, ah, that's so-and-so. Don't worry about it. It's, it's a lid. And we, until we remove the lid of familiarity, we'll never go any further than we are today. Some of us watching, some of us that are listening, some leaders, some pastors, some business owners, you're listening to this and you're, and you're beginning to wonder what's really preventing us from going further. I want to ask you to do this. Take your temperature on familiarity. Where are people so familiar with you? And also, where are you, leader, so, so familiar with the people around you? See, it's a two-way street. So it's not just the people under me that can get familiar. It's me as the leader that can be familiar. I could be so familiar that I don't trust certain people in my leadership because of their tendencies. And because I've allowed their tendencies to, to blur my vision of their potential, I won't ask them to do things that, they, that can stretch their potential because of their tendency. It's familiarity. So it goes both ways. It's not just the people under the leader that are familiar. It's sometimes the leader that's so familiar with the people under them that they're no longer pulling out of that individual under me that, that, that potential, that great level of success, that great leader on the inside of them because now I'm so conscious about what their normal tendencies are. And we got to remove those things out of our life. We got to remove the lid of our life, of our business, of our church, of our success that is set on there by familiarity. I want to, I, and I know you say that those are cool things. How do I protect this? How do I, how do I deal with this? Well, let me just tell you, uh, my father-in-law and mother-in-law started the church. So now these are my in-laws. And I don't know about you. Some of y'all think that your in-laws are really your outlaws, right? They, <laughs> this is how this is how we view some of our 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 wives or our husbands' parents is like, oh, they're my outlaws. They're not my in-laws. You know, I didn't gain a new set of parents. I inherited a problem. And sometimes we feel that way when we are married because we chose the the I like I chose my wife. I didn't necessarily choose my in-laws. I just inherited them because they came with my wife. Just listen to what I'm saying. And so because they are my in-laws and because of that, that problem issue that we could bring division into our family, they were also my pastors. They were also my apostle. And they're the ones that I also succeeded in ministry by them handing over the ministry to me. All of our life, I had, I had to beat this thing called familiarity. I had to uh, not deal with the, their problems. I had to see the God in them and not their problems. Can I tell you, we all have weaknesses. We all have shortcomings. We all have problems. And my in-laws are not, not uh, exempt from that as, as well. There were many times that in our uh, development of my life was I was behind closed doors and I saw you know, let's say the hair down and the, and the swords out. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things. I saw that. And if familiarity, would I had allowed that to set into me, I wouldn't become who I am today because I would have prevented them from helping develop me. So what I had to do is I put four things into practice. And I learned this in the early 90s. That's a long time ago for some of you young folk. But the early 90s, I learned these principles and they still stuck with me today. So I'm not talking from something that I don't know. I, I'm talking about somebody that was my in-laws. They were my pastor. They were my boss. They were my spiritual leader. They discipled me. 
They mentored me. Uh, they corrected me. They paid my. They gave me a check and signed their name to the check. You see, this this is it's family now, and family is where you can really find these problem areas in our life. But it's not just family. It's a business that's like family, a church that's like family, a team that's like family. And if we're not protecting of these things, we're going to create a lid in our life. We're going to create division in our teams, and we've got to fix these things. Four simple things that I learned in the early 90s that I still apply today. I want to share them with you today. I hope these things help you. I hope it'll add value to your life. Uh, and I hope that you'll take a look back, leader, take a look, step back and take a look at how do you view the people that are, are following you, that are running with you. Hey, those that are following somebody, take a step back and how do you view the person that's your leader today? How do we do this level and, and eliminate familiarity to gain the greatest potential and the, and the working power of God in our lives and in our teams? Amen. Number one, here's what I did, is I had to separate work, business, ministry, family for, in my own head. I can't separate myself and, and as let's see my team today is comprised of this my wife who's my wife uh my brother and sister-in-law felix and stacy my family and yvonne who is felix's mom so we have a family team right now that's my key team and i have i can't separate in-law i can't separate brother sister i can't separate family i can't separate wife outside i can't take my ring off today and say oh well, she's not my wife uh, I'm going to deal with her as a, as an employee. I can't do that, but I can do it in my head. I've got to recognize what hat do I wear and are they wearing? So when we come to the job, my wife, let's say she's my wife. Yes, but she also works for me. So in my head, I I'm still going to honor and respect her as my wife, but I've got to take a hat off and say, now I'm your boss. Well, in the same concept, my wife has to take the hat off and say, not say that's my husband, but he's my boss. Do you see that what I'm talking about? My, in, my brother-in-law, Felix, he has to take the hat off from pastor to boss to brother-in-law. So we, we hear this term, a man of many hats. We have to learn how to remove the hats in our head to be able to receive the person that's our leader. You know, I wanted, this is what my hats were. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a pastor. I'm a friend. I'm a leader, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a brother-in-law to, to, to a few different people. And, and so here's the thing is we got to be able to take those hats off and become who we are in our head. We don't have to announce, Hey, I'm Superman or Clark Kent in our, it's in our head. We've got to separate these things in our head. We also part of the separation. We can't bring our frustrations home. We can't bring our business home. We, we, we've talked about this, that, that we've got to create boundaries. I think the world as a whole understands that we create boundaries. We don't bring, you know, you've got to separate business and pleasure. You can't have both and expect a great outcome. There's levels of business that, that has to take place in the church, levels of business that has to take place in your business, but then there's levels of pleasure that don't need to be in the business office that need to be outside the business office. Can I help you with this? Your family doesn't need to know your frustrations with your boss, your leader, the person that's over you, your pastor. Why? You got to separate. You got to bring home celebrated victories and leave at the office frustrations and irritations. You've got to learn to separate it in your head. Your spouse doesn't need to hear all your problems. You got to separate the business from home life. What, is, what do I mean by that? Your spouse is not going to side with your boss. 
They're going to see your irritation. They're going to see how you feel. They're going to have compassion for you. And they're going to completely side with you. They're not siding with your boss. It may start out that way, but eventually they're going to side with you, which feeds the familiarity in your life. And you have to separate these two things. Uh, What happens when you mix pleasure and business or family and business or church life and those things, what you do is you create a casual relationship in your in your mind that reduces uh, the view of the leader in your life it reduces that respect factor that honor factor that that level of i need you in my life to help me get become who i'm supposed to be also you have the vision and i'm following and chasing the vision with you and i'm helping you to now it's like oh that's just like jesus of nazareth that's the same that's what this does when we don't separate in our head who they are my in-laws, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, they were my leaders, they were my pastors, they wrote my check, they were my in-laws. And what I did, this is the one lesson I learned, is I never reduced them to my in-laws. I always kept them in high honor in my heart and my head of their highest level of position, even while we were on vacation. So I, I learned to separate these things. And I knew when they were my in-laws, and even though they were in my head, I never reduced them to that. Now, we had conversations from in-laws. We had, you know, son-in-law and mother-in-law, father-in-law. We had those conversations. But in my head, I didn't allow that thing to set and take root so that I could keep it separate. Why? Because I've got to have them in first place in my life so they can help me and I can help them. And I don't get caught up in creating a lid in my life. The second thing, first is you got to separate the work you got to separate the person. you got to separate your life and all those between what's going on. You also have to do this. you got to develop the relationship and maintain a respectable distance. Here's what I mean is there's nothing wrong with being having a great relationship with your boss. There's nothing wrong with having a, a great relationship with your leader, and you should. You should be able to uh, enjoy life outside of work, outside of church. You should have be able to have those types of fellowships and vacations, and, and you should be able to have barbecues and invite each other over, and, and, but you've got to maintain a respectable dif- distance. What do I mean? Enjoy it. Be, be, have pleasure in it. Re, re, uh, renew one another and rejuvenate one another and encourage one another, but then ha- maintain a respectable difference where you don't bring them so close that you reduce their, their authority or their position in your life. We all need somebody in our life, every one of us. God did nothing on the earth without using a man, and he never did something in somebody's life without using another man. He always used people to get his purpose done, and we need those people. Here's what I mean by developing the relationship is always keep a grip on honor. Never allow dishonor in your heart. Can I show you this? Trust is earned. Honor is given. It's a choice. Honor is given. It's a choice. It doesn't mean you have to do anything for me. I choose to honor you. How do I do that? I maintain a respectable difference. Uh, What we find is honor comes from a level of humility. Humility, again, is a choice. It's not thinking thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's putting that person in your life, your leader, at a, at a position that they belong because God established them. God put them there. That position is I'm underneath that authority. So I have a responsibility to bring honor to where honors do. And if I don't separate it in my mind and I try to develop a relationship, but I don't maintain a respectable uh, distance in my head, I'm going to reduce them down to just being a friend. I'll find dishonor. I'll, I'll walk in pride and arrogance. What do I mean by that? Simply put is I'll begin to look at their weaknesses, look at their faults. I'll begin to see everything that I don't like about them. And then I'll begin to say things like I can do it better than them. 
I can't believe God would use that person or God would call that person. I just don't understand. So we have to protect in our head by living a level of humility. We're thinking higher of them than we're thinking of ourselves, which comes from giving honor. But the closer you get to somebody, the more dangerous it becomes in your head to reduce them down to just somebody. And they're not just somebody. Listen, I go back to uh, sports teams and I go back to things like that. You know, a close knit team has many advantages. The chemistry, a deeper understanding, a unity that allows them to become so much more successful. And we need that. And we've got to have that from developing relationship. When I coached soccer for the high school, I encouraged boys to go spend time together, go to dinner, hang out with each other, you know, do things together during the season. Why? So they get to know each other. We want that. That's developing the relationship. But we have to maintain the respect for one another that we don't allow what we happens in our personal life to affect the performance on the field. And we had to deal with that. We've got to know our role. There's nothing wrong with developing the relationship, but we must maintain a respectful uh, 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 distance in that level of relationship. Two things separated in your head. Know who you are, know who they are, and keep at a high level of honor. Develop the relationship. Get close to them. Know them. Know their, what they like, what they dislike, what makes them tick, what ticks them off. Know those things, and you get that from relationship, but you in your head have to keep a distance. Hey, leader, you've got to do the same thing. You've got to keep a distance and keep a respect that these are my employees. These are my team members. They're my family members. I can't treat them uh, as if they are just just somebody. So we've got to keep developing, but maintain a, a level of a distance that, that creates respect. So we got to separate. We got to develop. We got to do this. Third one, we got to raise our personal standard. That, that's something that I think is, is tough for so many people. We think a standard is something that we set, but really the standard is how we operate. We got to raise the level way we do things. We can't just succumb to what everybody else does. You know, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, bad company corrupts good character. We, we've heard that. And so what happens is we can't submit ourselves to everybody else or subject ourselves to the way everybody else does things. We got to be the one that raises our own standard. Whatever we, here's what I mean. Whatever we meditate on, it determines our lifestyle. We are going to begin to do whatever we're thinking about. So when I reduce that person that's over me or I reduce that person that's under me to a level of disrespect, of dishonor, and we, and we just get them down to they're just, now I'm going to treat them as if they were just. And we've got to change this right here in our mind. We've got to change the standard. We've got to raise that level in our, in our mind. We've got to protect our heart and our emotions because our standards drop when we become emotional. Emo, we become emotional when we become really tight in a relationship. And when we're tight in a relationship, we get emotionally hurt when that person we thought would do something for us and they didn't. So now we reduce them and we have a less of a respect. We've got to protect our heart and our emotions. When we feel the emotions arising, we must begin to walk in humility. We must eliminate pride because pride will puff us up and arrogance will make us think that we can do it better. Every time somebody fails us, what we do is we think, how could God, well, how could they be in that position? I don't know that I want to follow them again. How dare them? And what we do is we reduce because of that close knit relationship. But if we'll raise our own standard in our heart 
We guard our heart. We don't allow a dishonor and disrespect to enter in. What we do is we allow the, the honor that's due them to rise up on the inside of us. Let me explain it this way, maybe. Raise the standard. Have you ever seen a sports team? And, and sometimes they'll play an inferior team. And that team that's so much superior doesn't perform to the level that they should be performing. Why? Because they reduce their standard down to the level of their opposition. Don't ever reduce your standard down to the opposition. Raise your standard to your standard and higher. Don't ever reduce it. Why? Because when you raise your standard, you'll, you'll annihilate the, the weaker team. But when you reduce it down to everybody else, you become just like everybody else and you become equals, listen, in competition. Well, you shouldn't be equal in competition. I'm talking about sports. But even in your team, don't be the one that set the standard. Don't lower your standard. Raise the standard. We don't drop our standard because of the leader's actions or anyone else's attitude. Don't do that. Raise your standard. You make the choice. Again, this this familiarity in the teams, it's a choice. It's, it's how do you view that person that's over you? How do you do this? Separate work, separate ministry, separate in your head who they are and what you're doing in every level of relationship. Don't listen. Also develop that relationship. You know, maintain a respectable distance, raise your standard. And the fourth one is, this is the last one. This is probably the one that really, um, it irritates me (laughs) as an individual. It irritated me as a follower. And now it definitely irritates me as a leader. It's this one. Don't get caught up in, in gossip. Do not get caught up in gossip. Separate in your head the person from the job. Develop the relationship and maintain a respectable distance. Raise your level of your standard. And most importantly, out of all four of these, is don't get caught up in gossip. You know, watch the company you keep, who you're talking to, who you're listening to. You get to a disgruntled employee, you get to a disgruntled church member, you get into a disgruntled client, and they start gossiping and tailbearing and they backbiting, and you're friends with them, and you get caught up in that. Man, that company is going to correct you. That person that you're keeping company with is going to corrupt your character. The, 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 Jesus wrote the scripture through Paul, right? By the Holy Ghost. God did. He said bad company corrupts good character. He didn't say good character is going to, going to affect the bad company. He basically said get away from. Don't get caught up in gossip. You got to re- realize that here's the, here we've heard this said you show me your friends I'll show you your future. If you've got a bunch of gossip, bad-mouthing, backbiting friends in the team, if you've got them in the church, if you got them in the business, your future's not going to be very good. When the team members eliminate gossip, when we eliminate the gossip around us, now we have the reality of success in front of us. But gossip tears everything down and brings into division. It's promoted by pride and arrogance. Uh, you know, basically Proverbs chapter 8, and we talk about the, the, the four things that the Lord hates, and we got to realize those things. Here's the thing. In gossip, don't let somebody else's sour attitude generate a level of bitterness in your heart. Don't let somebody else's viewpoint of, of the just creating a lid in their life. You have to protect that. You don't get caught up in gossip. How do you prevent, protect it? Watch. The doors of success swing on the hinges of gratitude. Be grateful of who's in your life, where you are, and what's going right in your life. Always celebrate the good, even in the bad. Find the good things to celebrate. Walk in honor. Remember, honor is given. Trust is earned, and you got to be able to do that. Can I re- remind you of these four things today? And I hope this—I hope this adds value to you because I really believe that in most teams, we find 
uh, some of these problems happening in our lives is familiarity. We've got to remove them. You got to separate work from personal. You got to have relationships, develop it, but keep a, a respectable distance. Raise your personal standard and listen, don't get caught up in gossip. Uh, this is how we beat that sin of familiarity. We, we remove the lid off of our life of success, and we are able to walk more and forward into the success that God has for us. Listen, I'm, I'm your host today, Terry Lenscott. I hope you've enjoyed this. I hope this has added value to your life. Uh, again, this is the Anointed Leadership Podcast. This is the one we ask God to touch us and bring an anointing on us to do what he's called us to do. I, again, pray that this helps you. I hope it adds value to you. If it does, if it did, share this with the people around you. If it helps you, bring this to your team and let your whole team watch it together and then begin to discuss it. I really, again, appreciate your time, appreciate you listening to me, and appreciate your support. I call you blessed until next week. Connect with Terry on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts to help this message reach more people so together we can create anointed leaders all over the world. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time, we're believing God with you and for you that whatever you put your hand to will prosper in Jesus' name.